This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey everyone, welcome to the Curious Girl Diaries podcast. I'm Layla London, aka The Curious Girl. Now just to let you know, this podcast is not suitable for work. It's also not suitable for anybody under 18. But the rest of you consenting adults, let's get ready to talk about my sex life, sex in general, and everything in between in explicit, raunchy, fun detail. All right, here we go. There's all these things I wanted to do, you know, sexually or wanted to learn about sexually or wanted to figure out about myself sexually that I wasn't able to do in that relationship. And so that kind of kicked off my journey of exploring and learning. And, you know, I kind of view it as a lifelong journey, so I'm never done. I've just recently discovered I totally need a sex room. How did this yes. escape me? Why did I not consider this? I don't I'm like, know. This is, this, I need one. Yes, I right. do. I, there's not enough place to hide all my sex stuff now. You also talked about, or you mentioned using sex for validation. What did you mean by that? So I surveyed my Instagram followers on that and 80% of people said they use sex for validation, which was so interesting to me. It's like a form of enlightenment, kind of, you know, it's like, I think of sex as like a spiritual path. Hey everyone, welcome to the Curious Girl Diaries podcast. I am Layla. It's one of my favorite days of the week, Saturday, when I get to have amazing guests on. And today you guys are in for a treat. I have Heather Shannon and she is an AASECT certified sex therapist who helps people remove shame and stigma around sexuality while becoming more conscious relationship partners. In private practice since 2011, she's helped thousands of clients embrace who they are as sexual beings and live a more authentic sex life. Heather, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me and thank you to your awesome audience. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to have you. I've been poking around on your social media, on your website. I've got some great questions to dig into. But before we start, let's kind of roll the clock back a little bit. I'd love to get more of your background and, you know, what made you decide to go into sex therapy, you know, and fill me in kind of on what your backstory is. I think I've always been a little unconventional. So there's probably some foreshadowing. I remember as a kid even telling my dad, what if I do this for a job? What if I do this other weird thing for a job? So he was like ready for it. My mom was a little less ready for it, but she's coming around. I would say I started my private practice in 2011, kind of knew I wanted to do something helping people. I had a couple brave clients who just opened up about the combination of alcoholism and sexual trauma and exploring gender and fetishes and sexual identity. And I just remember thinking like, this is so important. <laughs> like this is kind of like core stuff to who people are and like, where else would they talk about this if they weren't working with me? No, nowhere, you know? And I yeah. think this is why we do sometimes see higher incidences of substance abuse or, you know, suicide in 
sexually marginalized populations. And then, you know, I also had some of my personal experience where I was in a long-term relationship, got out of that relationship, and was kind of like, I'm free. There's all these things I wanted to do, you know, sexually or wanted to learn about sexually or wanted to figure out about myself sexually that I wasn't able to do in that relationship. And so that kind of kicked off my journey of exploring and learning. And, you know, I kind of view it as a lifelong journey, so I'm never done. But yeah, I was like, this is part of personal growth. Yeah, no, I love that. I, I like it. Thank you for sharing that because, you know, you, I get therapists on the show and I always kind of wonder, aside from the book smarts, you know, like what I want, you want to know that someone you're going to work with has been through some of this stuff or that they get it, that it's not just coming from, that it's some real world practical knowledge. They're not just like, yeah, I read it in a book. This is how we do it. (laughs) You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. So. You included a list of things you'd like to discuss. And a lot of people send me that when they're going to be interviewed. And usually I totally just disregard, you know, I'm like, no, nope, okay. I know where I'm going with this interview. No, nope. but, but <laughs> there was a cut, but you, a couple things really jumped out at me. So it's like, okay. Hey, okay. I'm going to, I want to, I want some clarification on this stuff. You okay. use a term conscious sexuality. What is that? Yeah. So I look at it like. Most of the humans on the planet are kind of just going along with what they're kind of quote unquote supposed to do when it comes to sex and relationships. And so I think of it as like a social script. It's like there's a kind of unwritten or unspoken or kind of unconsciously known path that we're supposed to follow when it comes to sex. And so most of us just don't even question it. So when I think about conscious sexuality, I think about let's throw that out the window (laughs) And actually tune into, it's like, if I wasn't judging myself, what would I want to do? If I actually felt sexually free, what would I want to do? How do I actually feel towards this human that I might want to be sexual with? So it's more about curiosity, exploring, and throwing the scripts out the window. Okay. Well, I think that would, that's a really good term that now I get to integrate into my (laughs) own journey. Please do. I've been on this path of conscious sexuality because I think uh, I definitely, yeah, I definitely yeah. have. Now, so do you think most people are, I guess, unconsciously or unconscious about their own sexuality? Yeah, I actually think we're at a really interesting turning point. I think that we're seeing more Netflix shows even, you know, sex education or sex, love and goop where it's now kind of mainstream to explore some of this or, you know, how to build a sex room. And you're just like, oh, this is like a mainstream. I love that show. I want her on my podcast. I'm going to reach out to that woman. You mark my words. She'll be on my show. (laughs) And I need, I've just recently discovered I totally need a sex room. How did this escape me? Why did I not consider this? I'm like, this is, this, I need one. Yes, I do. There's not enough. There's not enough place to hide all my sex stuff now. It's like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? From like the cleaning lady. <laughs> yeah. You need the you need the secret passageway room where like the cleaning lady won't even know it. Although my cleaning lady has found some toys and she's like, um, I found your boyfriend and I just put it in the drawer. Yeah. That's what she yeah. said. <laughs> I no joke. I am going to build a set, like a secret sex room, like where you, you know, like you, you tap on a bookshelf or you push a secret button and then, yeah, you know, maybe I'll have you, you move some book. I'm not joking. Like this is on my list. I will do it. You watch. Yeah. You have to do an episode on that if you do it. I totally will. Absolutely. I'm going to get that lady. I'm going to have her come. She's going to do the sex room for me. I love 
I'm very excited I, about this. I know. I I've watched that myself and I'm so excited to see just again, you know, I agree with you. I think that the tide is slowly turning. I think mm-hmm. we're seeing this really great interesting change. You know, we're at this we're at the cusp of something different right now with sexuality yeah. and I think we're starting to see how these old just expectations of how we're supposed to live our lives sexually and as a couple, mm-hmm. how those aren't working for people. I think that's become pretty yes. apparent. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, people are waking up to that. And they're searching for answers and they're searching yes. and they're looking for resources and they're wondering where they can go. You also talked about, or you mentioned using sex for validation. What did you Ooh. mean by that? So I surveyed my Instagram followers on that, and 80% of people said they use sex for validation, which was so interesting to me. And it's something where I had a client where that was kind of a primary topic for one of our sessions. And then I'm like, my best friends also do this sometimes. I'm like, I probably do this sometimes. <laughs> so it's just that idea of like, we love to feel wanted. Like, who does not want to feel wanted, right? And so sometimes it's not fully in alignment for us, though, where it's like, I'm like kind of attracted to them, but like they're really attracted to me or like, I don't really know them that well. I'm not like hundred percent comfortable, but I kind of just like don't want it to be a thing. And I just like want this person to like me or I'm having sex with like a bunch of people in a way that feels kind of unconscious, you know, like there's this driving yeah. force where I'm seeking something and it's not like actually feeling great hundred percent or I feel bad afterwards. So I think in those cases, it's worth looking at like, is, am I looking for that external validation with sex? So how do you navigate through that? Because I can say for myself, I'm in the, uh, I call it like the churning phase, like where I'm prospecting right now. Like I have this theory, I say a lot, a, a pair and a spare. Like I think a woman, if you're, if you're casual and you just have casual sex partners, like I feel like for what I'm doing, knocking things off my bucket list, like to have a pair of guys and then a spare is is a good rotation. <laughs> women... It keeps I love women that. A parent is fair. A parent is fair. A woman needs yeah. a parent is fair. This will keep women from hyperfixating on any one guy. And you get enough variety that you start to understand and see just how people do things differently. And yeah. I think it helps. It's helped me over time really clearly define more what I am looking for. Mm-hmm. And so I guess, you know, when that, that sex for validation thing, and you said, you know, that your friends have done it and you've done it like because you want to feel wanted. I would say I probably could have been guilty of that in the beginning too. But now as I go through it and I'm really fast with my process, like I can weed people out really fast. So cool. I'm, it's not the validation anymore because I yeah. really am seeking the fun, good, adventurous sex. Love and that. I've really been able to narrow it down. Like I can see very quickly who's going to be good for that and who's not. And it's nothing personal against them. I just, as you know, they they start to reveal things and you can pick up yeah. on it quicker and quicker and you get more efficient with it. 100%. 100%. Like to me, like that's, I'm very into the law of attraction. Like that's you being in alignment with you and then you're getting the good results from that. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, you know, I find that men do it too. Like everybody sort of does it, can be guilty of it. Oh, like, yeah. And I'm weeding out the guys that are just really more interested in the attraction part or that someone's attracted to them and, mm-hmm. you know, they're, it's nice. I understand. It's nice to feel wanted and all that. But at the right. end of the day, I want it, but with the right people, not just yes. any, anybody. Right. Yeah. And I, I love you saying that because 
you're not trying to be monogamous and you're not trying to follow like a traditional path per se, but you can still be clear and you can still have criteria. And that's kind of my message for people too. It's like, there's still an element of taking care of yourself. And the answer to not seeking validation externally is to do it internally. And that can take a variety of forms. It could be getting clear on your criteria, trusting that your criteria can be met and that you're not like in a scarcity mindset. It can be going into like deeper layers. I do uh, internal family systems therapy where you kind of work with parts of yourself that maybe are feeling more insecure or needy and and healing those parts. So yeah. What is relationship attachment styles? Like what is what is that mean? What is that all about? What's under that umbrella? Yeah, that's one of my favorite topics probably because it's something I've worked on a lot for myself as well. So we have secure attachment. And that's where you feel pretty secure in yourself, you feel pretty whole as an individual. And it's pretty easy for you to like be close with other people and feel connected and experience that intimacy without losing your sense of self too. Or without being afraid of it. Yeah, right. Both. Yes. That's been a big jump for me personally. Okay. Yes. In the beginning of this, I was like, listen, I am not about having it, the feelers. Like, just don't even come at me with that. <laughs> yeah. So, of course, what happens? Every guy that shows I mean, up is like getting the feelers, right? And I'm like, yeah. oh, no. But now and now I'm just like, when people say, now I'm just looking for, you know, no strings attached and all that. I, now I, I feel like, you know, I feel I'm a little more evolved. And I, I realize like, that's a good ideal. But, you know, sometimes it happens. It'll show up. If it does, it does. And if it doesn't, it you know, if I still enjoy you and have a great time, that's okay too. Yeah. Like it, I'm not freaked out about one or the other anymore. Right. And what you're saying, I think, is like perfectly demonstrating like where I want people to get to is like, and I don't know if this is maybe exaggerated, but it's like a, it's like a form of enlightenment kind of, you know, it's like mm-hmm. I think of sex as like a spiritual path where it's like because of your experiences, you're kind of like less attached to like needing things to be a certain way. And so there is sort of like a, a letting go and an acceptance. And even if you're having sex with multiple people or doing kinky things or whatever it is, you know, it's like it's, or all I, of the above. Right. It's like a, it's a spiritual process and it's a growth process. I found that sex, your sexuality, for for me, my sexuality has been the greatest teacher of myself as an adult. You know, Mm -hmm. when you get to that point where you feel like, boy, I really know myself, I'm settled in all my ways. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, when you start leading with that and going down that path, it's like, whoa, there's still so much to learn that it's really fun. I mean, it's fun. I mean, as an adult woman, it's like, yes. I don't want to be thinking I know it all or that, you know, no. I've experienced it all. I mean, like, please keep me a, in student mode and learning. Yeah. Mode. I, and I, I really get to kind of marvel in the wonder of it. And that's I what makes that. it so much so fun. Good. Yeah. It so, is much, so fun. much fun. And you can surprise yeah. yourself and it's expansive, you know, always. I'm always surprising myself. And yeah, yeah it's just been such a fun journey. But so the, the relationship attachment styles. I know I kind yeah. of like ask the question yeah. and I veer yep. you off and, um, <laughs> because I'm having so much fun just chatting, girl talking with you. Yeah, um, I know. So, but are there, is like a set to find, like, are there more common? Yeah. So there's like categories. Styles, right? Kind so, of like, yeah, like love languages. Yeah. I mean, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah, basically. So there's um, the secure one I mentioned. And then the other two most common ones are anxious and avoidant attachment styles. So the anxious attachment style 
tends to be a little bit more preoccupied with their relationships and tends to be more feeling kind of insecure and needy and kind of overthinking, like, what should I say? Or what does this mean that this person said back to me? Like, do they like me? Do they not like me? Like, you know, so there's more of that preoccupation and also a feeling of like, I don't want to be too much. I don't want to like say this. And then there's something they can do called protest behavior, where it's kind of like, well, I haven't heard from him for three days, so I'm just not going to respond. So it's a little bit of that like passive aggressiveness or trying to like kind of poke the bear and like get a little reaction out of them to know they still care. So that's kind of the anxious style. And then the avoidance style, there's some similarities where both of them, the anxious and the avoidant, are forms of insecure attachment. So there's, there's a lack of inner security in both of those. And with the avoidant, though, it manifests differently. So it manifests more like, I need my space or like, oh, this feels like so fun at the beginning because they want intimacy too. But kind of like, oh, yeah, let's like be close and intimate and whatever. And then like something like kind of real happens where it's like, oh, we like maybe have to have a talk or we have to process feelings or the condom broke. And now we have to like have that discussion or something, you know, and then they're kind of like, peace out, (laughs) you know, like too much for me. No, thank you. Or this other person's too needy and I need my space and I'm losing my sense of self in this relationship and feeling smothered and I just don't want to deal with all this. So those, those tend to be the styles. And then you can also have a mix. So you can have someone who's a mix of like the anxious and the avoidant. I I was going to ask that because I I feel like, yeah, I feel like I've probably been all of these at one point or another, to be honest. And well, sometimes yeah. they'll flare back up, you know, like 100%. somebody, like you said, like, like you said, but you know, oh, he hasn't texted me in a couple of days. Fuck him. You know, and I'm like, yes, yeah, uh, guilty, you know, like, I'm just like, whatever, you know, I'm like, that's why I got a pair and a spare, you know, 100%. yeah. But so, yeah, that's a good strategy. But I mean, so you're bringing up a really good point, though. So like one is that our attachment styles are not permanent. They can change over time. Two, they can be different in different relationships. So, I mean, you can be right at this moment in time having one relationship that feels really secure, one where you feel kind of needy, and one where you feel kind of avoidant, you know? So I want people to understand that. Like, it's more fluid than I think we're led to believe. And it's just, it's all about just understanding yourself and understanding your partners. Good news. Strictly Anonymous Podcast is looking for people to call into the show. So if you lead an interesting, naughty secret life that you want to talk about while remaining anonymous or not anonymous, if you're out and proud, that's cool too. Send me an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. That's strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. Or go to my website, strictlyanonymouspodcast.com and click on be on the show. Now, do you think that people are then attracting the same, is this kind of where you're like sort of seeking out the same guy subconsciously? Is that like that maybe he has that redundant attachment style and then you're sort of butting up against the same issues over and over? Is this kind of part of what what can happen? You're hitting the nail on the head for someone who said she didn't know too much about this. But yeah, exactly. I mean, so what happens often is like the anxious style and the avoidance style attract each other because the anxious style has certain belief patterns, right? That like no one can meet my needs. I'm too much. Maybe even like I'm not good enough or something like that underneath there. And the avoidance style is like intimacy is not safe. I'm going to be smothered. And so it's like we attract what we believe, you know? So I... I was Buddhist for like 13 years. And so Buddhism talks about with our thoughts, we create our world. We have the law of attraction. We have the placebo effect. It's like our beliefs are constantly creating a reality. And so that happens in relationships too. Absolutely. 
Yeah. And I think that's why you'll find, you know, you've got two people in the same relationship with a completely different experience. Oh yeah. You know, and like night and day, like they see it this right. way. You're like, how the fuck right. are you seeing it that way? Like, right. and they blame each other too, right? Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. where are you getting that from? I know. <laughs> I know. Makes me but, think of the, that old, that old book. Um, oh God, I forget the author's name. Men are from Mars. Women are from Venus. What's that? Oh guy yeah. That? Mm-hmm. I mean, I was, you probably like my mom tried to get me to read that years ago. Oh, I'm like, God. I'm not reading this. My mom was like, always <laughs> trying to be very helpful and open when it comes to sex and relationships. And, you know, and I was like, okay, mom, eh, get out of here with that stuff. You know, <laughs> <laughs> enough. Yeah. yeah. So let's dive into mismatched libidos because this Ooh, is a subject yeah. that totally fascinates me. It's the number one thing I get from listeners. Like, I feel Same. like it's the most common. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Yes. It's the, I, it's just the most common problem. It really it fascinates me because it just seems like, yes, it's there, but people don't, you know, they, they find themselves in it and then they don't know how to A, get out of it or B, not even maybe do a little uh, learning and not, and just avoid it altogether, you know, as yes. you're starting to, mm-hmm. to match up with people. So let's start with first, you know, how can couples avoid this in the first place or at least be aware of it? Yeah. I think some of the common patterns that I see with people, I mean, and you're right that this is also the most common issue that sex therapists see. So it's just ubiquitous. But yeah, so I would say people fall into being roommates. So that's that's something to be aware of. And I think that happens to a lot of people when they've been together for a long time. So it's like, how can we make sure that doesn't happen? How can we do date nights? How can we have time away from children? How can we prioritize each other. And and a lot of times when I talk with couples, I, you know, remind them because it it seems like it feels like a mystery to people. They're like, we don't know how this happened. And I'm kind of like, well, how did you used to be like when you were dating and you had a strong libido? And it's like, oh, well, we had date nights and we got dressed up and there was anticipation and, you know, we groomed ourselves really well. And right, we flirted ahead of time. And I'm like, well, are you still doing any of that? Oh, no, I guess not. (laughs) So, So that's kind of like an obvious layer of it. One of the things that's really interesting to me, and I'm just starting to notice is more of a pattern with people in my work, is that I think the people who struggle with libido tend to shut down their emotions in general. So I kind of think of it as like almost like there's a like a dimming of the life force energy or like a dampening blanket over everything or a sense of kind of numbing things. And I think it makes sense because our society is still pretty screwed up with how we relate to emotions. So I think like accepting our emotions, being able to feel our emotions, being taught how to process our emotions so that we don't have to push them away and we can actually learn from them because on just a real logical level, like we've evolved as humans over thousands of years to have emotions like for a reason, (laughs) you know, they're not just like useless. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I think that's a piece of it. And then, there's often like some some stuck energy kind of where people might have like grief that's been a little bit unconscious or sadness that they haven't really processed. But it's anything that's kind of dimming your life force energy because I do view sexual energy as life force energy. You know, again, on a very logical level where life is created from sex. So, it, you know, it all yeah. all fits together. But like depression, one of the symptoms is low libido. Um, and depression's the same way where a lot of times it's people – you know, not feeling much and kind of feeling really numb. So, so I think that's an important thing for people to look out for is, you know, am I starting to push my emotions away? Am I starting to feel more numb or checked out or detached? 
And how can I learn to get better at that? So that that would be one of my recommendations. And then you got the basics too. Like, and I could probably talk about libido for like an hour um, because it's complex. There's a lot of different factors, right? So there's like the emotional factor. There's the, you know, kind of being lazy and becoming roommates factor. There's the relationship itself. Like, are you not feeling as emotionally connected? And are you not working on the emotional vulnerability with your partner? There's hormonal things. I'm one of the sex and relationship experts for the peanut app and it's a lot of new moms. And so one of the factors is breastfeeding. Breastfeeding actually lowers your libido. So just understanding, you know, factors like that as well. So it's very holistic. There's a lot of angles for libido. I'm also really curious about how I feel like when you are getting married or you're going to get married and you're coupling up, a lot of times I'll ask people, when they write into me or they'll say, you know, my, my, how can I get my partner more interested in sex? Or I'm, we were this way and, or it was a certain way or, or they won't mention how it was. And I'll just, I kind of ask, well, how was it in the very yeah. beginning? And a lot of times mm-hmm. they'll say, well, it wasn't really great that, at that point, point either, but I thought it would get better. And I'm just like, what? And so my wish and what I hope is People get better, they're better educated about this and they take it more seriously beforehand because what you said about people when they're living together like roommates, Mm -hmm. I was reading something the other day and this stuff just makes me so sad. Like I want to scream, you know, when I hear it, 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 they said, yeah, you know, they were talking about like the dead bedroom syndrome and the, you know, the mismatched libido, the low libido from one partner and how the other person that leaves the other person feeling empty and void and just, you know, yeah. longing for that connection and all no. that. And, and I'm thinking like, and they were saying, everything is great. We we're like best friends, but mm-hmm. this, and I'm just thinking to myself, that needs to be stricken from our vocabulary. You did not get married to marry a best friend mm-hmm. only. Mm-hmm. Stop settling for that thinking that's okay. If yeah. you're feeling that you need more, you need more. Right. You can have more, you know. Yeah. I, I not, I'm not saying I have the solution for everybody, but it's just like I think some of the things that we put on our checklist for what we think is going to make a long-term partner, you know, those are valid too, but you also really need to know if you're sexually compatible yes. because yes. the minute that that goes it's not important until it is. And then once it is, it's like, whoa, it becomes, it's causing all the problems. It's going to be linked to all the fights and to all the issues. It is. Somewhere, somehow, it's interwoven in there. And I think, I really appreciate you saying that because I think that that's part of the social script too, is almost like sex is superficial. Sex is surface level. Sex should be a, is a small part of our life. It shouldn't be the focus. It shouldn't be the I priority. Shouldn't, it shouldn't bother me. You know, yes. uh, all these things are good. You know, yes. what do I, what, what reason do I have to ask for more, you know, and people will beat themselves up and feel bad about it. Like, right. That, right. You know, what if they, we just accept it? That like, this actually does matter. <laughs> I actually do care about this. Yes. Yeah. I want to express myself in this way. I want to connect in this way. I want to experience pleasure. I feel alive when I do this. Like, Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like if it was more a part of a premarital discussion, that you'd be better prepared to handle it when you hit those bumps in the road. Because of course yeah. you're going to, I mean, your libido and your sex life and 
that'll wax and wane. But you can, you know, if as long as you are prepared to do the work when it becomes an issue and that you yes. know that, hey, we're just as dedicated to this issue as we are to being respectful yeah. of each other, to being, yep. you know, to being good parents, to doing all these other things that society yeah. says is good. This society needs to start saying a strong, healthy sexual connection is good too. And it's vital. It's not, it's better than good. It's vital. Yes. I, this is great talking to you because I feel like you just I'm get sorry. it. I'm it's taking, I didn't need to take, I'm no. sorry. I feel like I'm taking over this. No, I'm just taking not over here. No, no, no. Because but it's like, I'm passionate. I'm passionate about I this. I hear this that. And so yeah, am I. And it's just like, it's nice for me to be like, okay, someone else who's passionate and like gets it and like kind of no. thinks the same way. But yeah, so I think it's like allowing ourselves, yeah, to truly have what we want and knowing that that is possible. And the piece you said about working on it is another really fascinating one because people come into my office and they're kind of like, you know, I just don't feel like we should have to work on it. Like, you know, it was easy in my past relationships or it was easy at the beginning. And I'm kind of like, well, great. Don't see how that goes. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Um, that's why you're sitting here right now because that's not working. That whole philosophy. We got to... But like life happens and like bodies changes and preferences change and minds change, you know, and it's like we have to be able to like pivot and adjust and be present. And that except that it's, I don't believe our sex lives. I think our sex lives are, are just like everything in our life. It's meant to grow and expand and change. And just like everything changes, if you're still having the same sex you were from day one, I guarantee you're bored and dissatisfied. It should, there there should be room for changes and don't expect, you know, that person to always want the same thing and, and never to change. And that it's weird if your partner at some point comes and says, Hey, I, you know, maybe I've got these kinks I want to try or or this is really kind of getting me excited. And people freak out about that. It's not a negative thing. It's natural that someone's going to want to branch out. And if they want to do yeah. it with you, that's what, as long as they want to still do it with you, you know, then you're right. good. Winning. You know, you're right? winning. Yeah. But it's like, you have yes. to be able to be vulnerable. And I, I think that people don't want to be vulnerable. So it's like, they don't want to share the fantasies. They don't want to be honest about who they are as a sexual being. They don't necessarily want to always like try the new things that might not work. And so one of the things I like to say is like, you have to be, able to have some sexual fails too. It's like maybe you try 20 new things and 10 work out great and are super hot. And the other 10, you're just like, we're just going to have to laugh because like that was not our thing. But then you walk away with 10 more things that you didn't have before. But it's like, unless you're willing to like engage in that process where some things are not going to work out, like you're not going to really get anywhere. Yes. Now you also mentioned that there's some holistic ways to boost your libido. What what are those? Well, hormones are a big one. And I think people are sometimes afraid of looking into that, to be honest. But even for, you know, women in estrogen based bodies, testosterone can be a big one. So like one of my best friends had a low to medium libido uh, in her marriage and then got on testosterone therapy and she was like, boom, up to the races. So I think that's an example of something we don't often look into. I also personally have experienced some kind of mysterious like food intolerance, autoimmune stuff and, you know, feeling like fatigue and low energy. And it's like, you don't feel like real sexual when you're not feeling great physically. So I think some of it comes down to 
figuring out, you know, what you need to do for your health. And for me, it has been a lot of holistic things like infrared sauna and peptides and, you know, glutathione and, you know, kind of going down that holistic wellness rabbit hole, if you will. And it's different things for everybody. Could be Reiki. It could be just taking some different supplements, but understanding, you know, how our body works. It can also be, you know, education. So understanding uh, spontaneous versus responsive desire. So some people are just going to be like hot and horny, like for no reason, <laughs> like they snap their fingers and they're like, let's do it. And other people are going to kind of be like, I need something to feel sexual. Like I need there to be like a sexual context. And that's more of that responsive desire. So creating that, like putting some intention into creating that for yourself. So that could be part of it. It could be a breakup. For me, that was a big part of, you know, when I had a lower libido was kind of like, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with this. Like, I'm still kind of processing the breakup. I went on a yeah. few dates and the guys were not super respectful. And I was kind of like, Rah. you know, I don't know. I don't know if this is really my focus right now. Uh, and that was okay. And for a while, that was fine and kind of in alignment for me. And then it got to a point where I was like, I do feel like my life force energy is too dim and like I want to feel vibrant and alive and prioritize that, you know? And so then I did kind of seek out some more sexual stimuli and focus on my health and get over the breakup and move forward. Yeah. Now, I find that for me, what I've noticed about my libido when it's lacking is because I'm not giving, pouring enough into me. So mm -hmm. for me, a big part of that is just exercise or, mm -hmm. you know, taking time to go for a walk. Sometimes it's just going for a walk. Like if yeah. I have things on my schedule that are just for me throughout the day, and they could be something real small or, you know, like exercising mm -hmm. really hard or whatever. Yeah. That I've noticed the more that I'm sort of being mindful and taking care of me, then from that, because I'm feeling better, I'm looking good, I'm, you know, all the, I'm getting yes. all the chemicals from the workouts and stuff. And I'm like, I'm horny a lot, you know, <laughs> and, and I, I love it. But I noticed yeah. that, and I think, you know, I can't speak for men, but I, since I have a lot of women friends, you know, mm -hmm. I know that, like, it's the same for them too, when they're really doing for themselves and recognizing that, they need to treat themselves respectfully, then from that comes more energy. Like you said, the, the life force energy. And then yeah. you're not, I call it your light. I call it your lights on when your lights on oh, I like that. And, and you're feeling good. You're almost on a, like a different radio frequency. And I notice that men pick up on it. I notice that when I'm walking around. Absolutely. Cause that's building men, the inner security too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when men you are show up like, for you. Yeah. That's yeah. so, it's like the hottest thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, you know, a lot of it is just like, we have to sort of sit and be intentional about it. Like, yeah. okay, I know this is something important and I need to do this for myself and do and it. Stress you know? management too, because stress is a huge mm -hmm. libido killer as well. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I know. I just, I know. I'd love to know about some of your best biohacks for your sex life. I love, yeah. good, I love a good biohack. <laughs> That's good. I like the biohacks too. One of my, this might sound a little bit different, but you can actually do red light therapy on your genitals. I know. <laughs> but you know what? That makes sense yeah. because as soon as yeah. you said that, what popped into my head would be like sunbathing naked. You know how good it feels when the sun is on all your parts? Yes. Because <laughs> yeah. we don't get to so, experience that very often. 
No, we don't. So yeah, I have like a little portable red light device. You can use it on any area of your body and it's great in general for energy levels and mitochondria and that affects every cell in your body. So, but yeah, you can shine it in the sex organ area and see what happens. Now, wait, where do you, okay, so where do you get a red light? Can you get one like CVS or like Amazon or where do you go? Um, I got mine on Amazon, yeah. Right now I have a portable one, but I probably will get like a full panel at some point. You can hang it over the side of your door. Since mine's small and it has kind of like a kickstand, I can just like prop it up in my bed before I even like get out of the bed in the morning. And I like to listen to my little like law of attraction YouTube videos and just like shine my red light and hang out with the cats. <laughs> I've listened to like, you know, like subliminal. I've slept with YouTube going on those eight hours, like sleeping yeah. things, yep. you know? And Me you too. know what? They really work. I am like, I'm obsessed with that stuff. I love it. I, no joke. I mean, I literally have used some of those and they do work. If you, I mean, I, I'll wake up and I just feel like amazing. Like every day, like, I don't know what's coming, but it's going to be a damn good day. You know, I mean, and I just like, <laughs> I love it. They really, yeah. I think they really, they really do work. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that kind of is gets in my craw are these like newfangled terms. Okay. Sometimes I'm like, what does that mean? You know, like uh, somebody, I was having a conversation with somebody the other day, it was business oriented. And he was just throwing all these like new terms at me. And I'm just like, well, come on, what does that bullshit mean? Like, can we just say it like it is? Like, what yeah. is this? So I don't like when things are too general and you're just like, uh, I'm not sure I really understand what your point is. Right. Um, but I hear the term sex positive all oh. the time. Oh, and I've actually even used it generically. And then I'll go, what do I mean when I say that really? Like what, what? So I'm curious to you, what does that actually mean? I guess when I think it kind of goes back to that social script we talked about a little bit. So when I think about sex negative, I think about this idea that like we should fit in this narrow little box, you know, it's like you should be pure or you should not lose your virginity or you should lose it by a certain date or it's bad to talk about sex and we need to censor it. So all of the ways in which our society is still kind of like repressed and like afraid of sex and all of that is like sex negative. So sex positive to me is like, what if sex is great? What if sex is like the reason we're alive? What if sex helps us feel vibrant? What if we get to love our sexuality? What if we get to express it freely? What if it brings us pleasure and connection? Like to me, that's that's sex positivity is like celebrating sex. Yes. Okay, good. Now that yeah. I'm going to adopt that as my defin- my official okay. definition, cool. then I will be using it in the proper context. Because anybody Perfect. that's listened to this show knows that I am like the grammar and syntax <laughs> and, you know, like definition police. I get irritated, <laughs> like especially with guys when they're sending me like, they don't know the difference between T-O and T-O-O or they're, they're, oh, they're, yeah. or you're, yes. you know, oh, you're so beautiful. Y-O-U-R. I'm like. God, I can't do it. Like, I'm sorry. I'm don't s- I don't know. Yeah. Where were you in third, fourth, and fifth grade? I'm like, <laughs> oh my god. I know. I just my little bug. These are my little bugaboos. Um, hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now, one of the things that you also mentioned, I, I noticed on your website, was you were talking about improving body image. Yes. I think this is such an important topic, especially yeah. for women. I know guys get influenced by it too. I know they there's, do. you know, they, yeah. they have their stuff. Mm-hmm. But as a woman, it's just like, I feel like we're so bombarded. How can we have a positive body image, you know, when mm-hmm. we're constantly barraged with what is beautiful and what isn't? And, know. you know, and it fits in this very, very narrow box. And I if know. you're not that, then what are you? And we've got all this social media stuff where it's a bit of a dual-sided coin because, you know, you'll see all these women, these Instagram influencers, you know, and they're looking perfect and airbrushed and they're changing their photos to make them look perfect when they don't really look like that. Mm -hmm. And how are we supposed to, how is an average woman supposed to be like naked in front of her partner going, yes, look at this. You want this. I'm (laughs) owning it. You know, like really, like, how are you supposed to know? Like, fuck yeah, I look good. You know, when- You, I think we should just look- like listen to you saying that. <laughs> Be like, yeah. <laughs> you on the head, Bob. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But I mean, I do think that's part of it. It's like we have to just kind of like imagine a little bit, like visualize, imagine. I'm a big fan of like, don't follow the Kardashians or the influencers, you know, who are doing that stuff that you said. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of research on that. There's a really good book by Emily and Amelia Nagoski called Burnout. And they have like a whole section in there called the Bikini Industrial Complex. And it really dissects Ooh. like kind of what bullshit body image stuff is in our culture. And they're kind of like even the whole like medical like BMI thing. Like there was a panel of nine people who made that up and seven of them worked for the weight loss industry. So like you just kind of got to question everything. And I know, like, in the island of Fiji, when, like, British and American media were imported, they went from, like, zero eating disorders to, like, 20-some percent of women. So it's, like, the media impacts us more than we realize, you know? So it's, like, we get to choose the influences we want in our lives. And, like, I actually like... Fat Life, which if people are not familiar, is uh, like kinky Facebook. I'm, I'm on Fat Life. I'm on Me Fat too, Life. Yeah. Friends. Yeah. I know. <laughs> but, I'll have to um, find out what your yeah. I'll, I'll get your profile yeah, name after this. Privately, you know. But like, I like Fat Life because it shows real bodies, you know. And like, actually, there's mm-hmm. a lot of people on there who will talk about like, hey, this was hard to post, or hey, this was, you know, I'm not feeling great about my body. And then they get like 30 comments about like, you look beautiful and sexy, and you just kind of no. realize like, I think sometimes seeing ourselves through other people's eyes can be a lot kinder and then we can start to be like what if i am sexy Hmm. what if i don't need to get rid of the stretch marks to be sexy like what if i don't have to be wrinkle free to be sexy like what if sexy is an energy and not really an appearance thing that's kind of it is yeah it is though i mean i think it really really is it's an it's a it's a mind (laughs) it's a state i think it's a state of mind you know like your whole sexual yeah appeal sex right. appeal yeah and I think we've all been attracted to people that maybe we're like surprised we're attracted to as well because it is the energy and it's not just the appearance yes those are my favorite relationships actually mm. like I always tell people like I mean who doesn't love whatever their ideal of a 10 is right when oh, they yeah. look at they, where someone turns their head and they're like whoa but yeah. I'll tell you what give me a strong seven any day of the week. And I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, because yeah. if I'm there, if I don't have to look at the superficial stuff and I'm drawn to like the who of who you are because you're yeah. sexy as fuck, this is going to go well. <clears throat> and it's going to maintain over time too. 
Right. I found that I have the most longevity with, with those. That makes a lot of sense to me because it's like, yeah, is this somebody who wants to do the same sexual things you want to do? Is this someone you can flirt with? Is this somebody who just who they are as a sexual person? Maybe they're like the right kind of dominant that like really does it for you. And then you're like, ooh, yeah, that's sexy. So I think starting to realize that like, oh, that applies to us too. (laughs) You know, it's like it's the energy that I'm bringing. It's the confidence that I have. It's knowing my self-worth isn't conditional on, you know, looking a certain way. Yep. You know where I find a lot of what I feel are a lot of sex positive or, you know, especially the women is in the the swingers. You know, people yeah, people that go to like, these that. swingers clubs, swingers parties. The first time I went, I love to tell this story. I've told it probably a lot on my show, just where the first sex club I went to, sex party, mm-hmm. I was thinking it was going to be this eyes wide shut and, you know, we're going to go to this mansion on the hill everybody's going to be like looking like a movie star right. and perfect bodies. And, yeah. You know, and I'm all excited and we get no. there. We're in the, and we're in the suburbs and I'm like, okay, uh, what is this? You know, and, and, you know, like we're parking, we're walking by the station wagons, you know, the soccer hoops. And I'm like, no, are we in the right spot? We go in and most people are, you know, it's like a full takeover of this, this couple's home. And okay. People are just everywhere. Like this is the orgy room. This is the people watching porn, walking around. Some people are dressed. Some people are fully naked, getting it mm-hmm. on. What I mean, it was it was whatever goes. And I was looking around, and I'm like, this looks like them all. Like these are just normal people, regular old people. And then it just it hit me in that moment. I was like, well, that's right, Layla, because sex is for everybody. Oh my god, I love that moment. <laughs> everybody, you know, yeah. and I was just like, all right. And it turned out to be a really fun night. And another one of those great scenarios where what I went there for intentionally wasn't what I got out of it or found. And that's mm-hmm. what I find is so much fun about exploring your sexuality is you may think you're there for one specific thing or because mm-hmm. This idea turns you on. And then when, just because you were open-minded and you put yourself in that situation, many times I discover something completely different that wasn't even on my radar that becomes one of the hottest, sexiest fucking things that like one of my new kinks or fetishes. Yeah. And it's like, if I would not have been just even open enough to be there, mm-hmm. I would have missed out. I wouldn't have caught that and I wouldn't have learned that and seen that. So everything yeah. you do when you when you're talking about those you have 20 things and maybe 10 really work out. Yeah. Even if two really work out out of 20, they will be extremely valuable gifts for you moving forward and and you'll, yeah. you'll be so glad. You'll never regret all the orgasms. <laughs> <laughs> you're never going to look back and go, "God, you know, I could have done without that one." Layla London, you'll never regret the orgasms. You won't. You won't. And I think about that too. It's like you got to squeeze the juice out of life. It's like we're all going to die someday. So like might as well have fun. I know. I know. And so then I, this is why to just, just to circle it back, you know, when, when I hear again, when I, that's why when I hear people saying, yeah, you know, we're just living as best friends and we're we're really good roommates. You know, and I'm like, oh, I could weep. I could weep for those people. And I'm just like. You have a birthright that's greater than that. Your sexual birthright is greater than that. You know, please yeah. wake up, you know, like <laughs> stop 
drinking the Kool-Aid. Wake up. Um, it is. It's a waking up process. That's that's the consciousness piece. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I am sure you have learned a lot becoming a therapist. Give me just two of the most valuable things that you've learned in your just sexual therapy journey, just as a, you know, as an observer. Yeah. I mean, some of these are like basic things you would expect, but like talking, like being able to talk about sex with your partner is not only like essential, but like that's going to get you to like the many orgasms and the bliss and really being like, oh my God, this is my life, you know? So I also think sex, talking about sex can be a big turn on. I think sometimes people avoid it because they're scared of how it's going to go. And I actually find with the couples that I work with that it almost always goes better than what they're expecting. And their partner is also typically more open-minded than they're giving their partner credit for, which I also find really interesting. So I think just being a little brave, bringing up the conversations, like, yeah, you got to be mindful that it's a sensitive subject for some people and you don't want to like come in guns blazing like, I don't like what you do in the bedroom. Like, no, don't do that. <laughs> but like, if you're if you're going to come in and be like, hey, like, what do you think about us trying this? Or like, let's talk about some of our fantasies. Like, I want us to start exploring some of this together. I think you're generally going to get a good reaction. So that would be one piece of advice and one thing that I've seen with people and I do, I do also, I just love working with like women who are on like a, a sexual exploration journey because I do think there's a lot of, you know, elements of the patriarchy that kind of get involved with sex that are not very sexy. <laughs> so I think starting to unlearn and dismantle some of that and realize like, yeah, maybe I, I come more easily from clitoral stimulation or, you know, maybe I don't have to fake orgasms anymore or maybe I don't have to focus so much on pleasing my partner that it's it's almost impossible for me to receive pleasure. So I think it's like a real like brave thing to kind of start dismantling that and to start prioritizing and allowing yourself to have a really good time. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes, I totally agree. Okay. Now on your Instagram, you said, I love this. I found this one post you had. It said, instead of finding your twin flame, what if you're meant to find, what if what you're meant to find is just a healthy, mature ass connection? (laughs) What does that, what does a healthy, mature ass connection look like to you? Yeah. I mean, I think it's one in which like you can be yourself, you can be authentic, you can have the conversations that maybe are not always sexy to begin with, but like create that foundation of security. Because I feel like when you create that foundation of security, you can do anything together. You know, when you create those conditions to thrive, kind of, it's like do people avoid those conversations, but those are the people who wind up in my office because they're not connecting. And so when you have some of the tough conversations and get through them, it builds your faith, it builds your confidence in the connection. And yeah, then I feel like the sky's the limit. So that that's kind of what yeah. I meant is like, we're looking sometimes for this like magical, like, oh my God, I feel like I'm on another planet. It's so transcendent. Like, I'm very into metaphysical things and all, but like, I'm like, when you just do the basic work and find someone who wants the same things as you and share some values, then you get to create that magic on top of that foundation. Yes. No, I'm I'm with you on the foundation thing. I mean, yeah. you can't build, you just, the law of physics, you cannot build anything on a shaky, shitty foundation. Exactly. It's going to crack and stress and buckle right. over time. 
Right. You know? And you can and, rebuild and, the foundation. Like if your foundation yes, is not good, yes. you can do the work on it, but you have to w- be willing to show up and do the work. Right. Yeah. Right. But it also, if you do, you know, if, if you're at the right time in your life and you have the forethought to sort of set the stage, like one of the things that's important to me is whoever I'm with, mm-hmm. you know, that we can talk about anything and everything sexual and it's yeah. not a weird conversation. <clears throat> it's always, it can be just, it can feel the same as talking about what my schedule is today. Like yeah. we, it should be very comfortable. Yes. And that's part of what, I don't know. I think that's part of longevity with someone is when yeah. you are bonded to them in that way that you mm-hmm. can talk about anything, even though it's hard, you always yeah. know, like I can go to this person with anything. That's a really comforting feeling to know it that is. and, and to experience that with another human being. And, and it yeah. also allows you to really be understood. And I think that's just one of the things that we're really, really all looking for. Yeah. But that's, I mean, it's so cool that you have that because I don't think most people have that in the area of sex, but I think we're both on a mission to get them there. (laughs) I'm trying. I know you are. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. So last question. So speaking of being on that mission, I just want, I always try to talk about this a little bit too with people, you know, with professionals such as yourself is what do you think about all of the censorship around just average old sexuality, good old sexuality? Like what- Tell me, how do you feel about the fact that Facebook and every place you go is going to censor, you know, what's okay and what's not okay as an adult woman for you to know about? Like, yeah. yeah, How does, what do you think? Yeah. I see, you know, I see my colleagues on Instagram doing like S underscore E X or S E G G S or S E C K S. And I was like, oh my God, this is so silly. (laughs) Like this is. The idea that just the word sex, which again is literally why we're all alive, cannot be said in like a public forum. It's just like, like, and I'm like, why don't we see that this is like so, but we can put like mostly naked people or fully naked people on TV and like, that's okay, but we can't engage in dialogue around it. So I'm like, okay. So it's, yeah, that's a tough one for me. It's a tough one to wrap my mind around. I love Cindy Darnell on an Instagram because she just is like constantly poking fun at that. Well, well, I can't say this, so I'm just going to mouth it. And I'm like, I just love how she pokes fun at it because I'm like, we do need to call attention to it because sometimes I see accounts where they just kind of like, well, I can't say it, so I'll just spell it this way. And I'm like, I think we need to like ruffle some more feathers about this. Yes. Yeah. It reminds me of, it's almost like we're adults, but we, even we can't know about it. Even we can't be right. educated about it. And it's right. it's really, really ridiculous when you have to talk to, when we have to talk to each other like babies, misspell yeah. things, use an eggplant. Yes. That's how it feels. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, like, literally, like, okay, time to regress now. We can't say that. He, he, he. It's like, you know, when you're talking, it's like teaching your children, you don't actually teach them what their anatomical parts are correctly right. called. You know, it's like, right. talk about a hoo-hoo or a sh- that's your she-she or whatever, right. you know, some right. stupid term you want to call it. And to me, language matters and yeah. words matter and they have power. Yeah. And when you're having to call your sexuality or your sex life or something, you know, a penis or a vagina, something else, yeah, to me, that's stuff we need to be like a little scared about. Like that's yeah. not right. right. You know, like you have to, I think more people should be questioning that. Yeah. Like, why can't I spell it correctly? And I, I did think about leaving Instagram for a while. I have not. But, 
you know, there are other apps like Telegram, and I think a lot of people have gone there to be able to speak more freely. And the Peanut app, where I'm, you know, one of the relationship and sex experts on there, like, they're great. They have, like, sex weeks. They brought me on specifically to encourage more conversations around sex. Like, I can say any of the words in there and not get censored. So, I mean, there are those social media platforms where it is okay. But you're right. It's, like, the most mainstream ones are not right now. Right. And it says, and just in my opinion, and overall, again, it just keeps pushing, we're kicking the can down the road. It perpetuates this message that, you know, again, somehow sex is just something we just don't need to talk about. You know, we don't need to use the proper terms. Uh, Social media doesn't think it's a good idea. You know, I mean, it's ridiculous when what we really need is just more openness, more access to it, and more people that are normalizing it in everyday conversations because it is normal and it is a big part of who we are. It is. we have to stop screwing ourselves over by suppressing it and letting anybody in the media or censorship encourage us that we Mm -hmm. should be suppressing it. Yeah. I actually think of it as like self-harm on a societal level. I do too. I do too. It's sending Mm -hmm. us backwards. You know, they used to burn medical books back in 1910 that were actually giving definitions to our body parts and our sexuality and all that stuff. And it's kind of, it's really one and the same. Yeah. But again, I do think we're moving the general right direction. But yeah, it's kind of like, okay, can we be there like yesterday? (laughs) I know. I do see it changing. That excites me. And on my days when I get like really bothered with it, I say to myself, you know what? These old timers at these companies, their day is almost up. And the new round is coming through. The new generation, they can't live forever. The new generation is coming through <laughs> and they are way more progressive and open with this stuff. And I'm just like hanging on I for, know. you know, like feel you. to your life so that I get to experience enough of it. I know. So. I do hope we move in the right direction. I think we will eventually, but it's definitely not a linear path. I know. Totally. Well, I do. Thank you so much for coming on and spending part of your day with us. So tell everyone where they can find you. And I know you have like, you have a podcast coming out. You also have your um, libido guide. So make sure we tell everybody about all that good stuff. Yeah. So my website is just my name. It's heathershannon.co. So it's just .co, not a .com. And then um, my Instagram is at heatherashannon. And yeah, I have a libido guide coming out because like we were talking about, it's just complex, right? And I think people are like, I don't know how to, and I didn't know before I became a sex therapist that like, this is something you can actually control. And like, there's different factors that you can work on to improve it. So it's going to be really comprehensive. And then yeah, my podcast is launching November 28th. It's, I think it's going to be called Ask a Sex Therapist with me, Heather Shannon. So exciting. Yeah. I also have some freebies for people. So I have a I have a libido freebie called Mojo Magic. So they can grab that at the website too. So heathershannon.co forward slash freebies. Anyone from who's listening to this episode is actually going to get $10 off the comprehensive libido guide when that comes out in the next few weeks. So they can use the code CuriousGirl for $10 off of that. Yes. Thank you so much. We love a good discount. I will. And guys, if you missed any of that, if you missed any of uh, Heather's links there, don't worry, because I will put it all in the show notes for you. And I'll remind you about the discount code. So everybody, thank you so much for listening today. You know what I love you to do. My favorite place to find me is go to my website and leave me a voicemail. I always love your feedback. Just go to thecuriousgirldiaries.com. You got five minutes, let it rip. We can talk about anything and everything that you want. I get back to each and every one of you 
personally, so don't be shy. Just whatever you want to talk about. And if you have any feedback for Heather, you can leave a voicemail there and I'll get it to her. All right, everybody, stay happy, stay healthy, stay safe. Love you guys. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. And if you like what you hear, refer me to a friend. And make sure you're following me on social media. Also, go to the website, thecuriousgirldiaries.com and join my subscribers-only list for access to exclusive content. And as usual, questions or comments, you can always email me at curiousgirl at thecuriousgirldiaries.com.